Hello, and a very warm welcome to this Friday's episode of the Change and Evolve Letter. And it is episode two about narcissism. And today it's about the, the overt or grandiose narcissist. As I mentioned in last week's letter, you can read it here if you haven't done so, just click on the link. My mother was an overt or grandiose narcissist, so I decided that I will begin with this one. So what is an overt, what is overt or grandiose narcissism? Grandiosity is one of the defining characteristics of narcissism. It is so much more than just vanity or simple arrogance. Grandiosity is an unrealistic sense of superiority, and my mother was a truly typical example. Narcissists really believe that they are unique or special, and more so that they can only be understood by other special people as, well, let's face it, everyone else are beneath them anyway. They also feel that they are too good for anything that is merely average or, God forbid, ordinary. They only want to associate and be associated with other high-status people, places and things. Grandiose narcissists, they tend to be extroverted, but they're also rather uncooperative, selfish and overbearing. And they're exaggerated self-image and portrayed high self-esteem allow them to at least appear confident and assertive. However, they are also likely to really overestimate their own emotional intelligence. And when you hear this, you may think that these people are horrible. And you know what? You would be absolutely right. And you may think that these people should be easy to spot. And here, you would unfortunately be wrong. Because overt narcissists, or you can also call them extreme takers, have many traits and qualities that make them quite attractive to others. While they're absolutely toxic to relationships, they are often able to surround themselves with admirers, friends, and, and psychophants. The overt narcissist can can seem so very charismatic because they often have many friends or, well, so it appears, which makes them seem popular and makes others want to be around them. The trouble here is that the grandiose narcissist has very few, if any, real friends. The people surrounding them are merely fans, groupies or psychophants. And there's a very, very simple reason for this. An overt narcissist lacks empathy. They are, they are much too self-centered and see themselves as too far above others to experience empathy. And for them, other people are merely a means to an end. What you need to know is when they actually call you a friend, you are just a member of their very own and very personal fan club. However, the overt narcissist is often charming, smooth-talking, likeable, and very convincing. 
they desperately need other people as supply for this admiration and praise because despite their grandiose persona, the Ovid narcissist suffers from low self-esteem. They need positive affirmation and they need constant validation. And this is exactly where other people come in. The charms of this type of narcissists are always an act. When they appear to care and even listen, it is simply a very clever mask that they wear. So when the overt narcissist is charming, generous or kind, it is never, and I really mean never, without ulterior motives. And as they are obsessed with their public persona, and often that persona includes being a great humanitarian, they are really extremely good at faking. They can appear to be good listeners, generous, sensitive, loving and faithful. And these are just some of the qualities why so many people are drawn to the overt narcissist that will nevertheless keep others at arm's length. They don't want your friendship. They don't want your love. What they want is your admiration, and they might even demand it from you. Admiration and praise are the prerequisites for having a relationship with an overt narcissist. Verbal and emotional abuse are often tools the overt narcissist uses to gain and keep relationships. And yet, because the grandiose narcissist often has a larger-than-life personality, people will actually tolerate abuse to be near them. Part of the overt narcissist's desire is to be perceived as larger-than-life, is being perceived by others as being successful. And often they don't just provide others with their winning personality, but with perks and maybe even fringe benefits, and are quite happy to share the wealth. For example, weekends at their beach house or fine dining, expensive cars, gifts, etc., just whatever. But the generosity of an over-narcissist always always comes at a cost. And if you refuse an overt narcissist, you will not only do without, you actually may face other consequences as well. Because if denied admiration and praise, the overt narcissist will often use their wealth and privilege to exact revenge. They will never let you easily leave their fan club of friends and admirers. Because if you do have the audacity and do dare to desert an overt narcissist, well, others could follow suit and expose the charade and their house of cards could fall. And if you attempt to shatter the public persona of an overt narcissist, they will in turn attempt to ostracize you from friends, family and other valuable relationships. The only relationship they can have is a shallow one. There is one quality that the overt narcissist has perfected, and that is being a very good actor. They are so good that they can play the dutiful lover, a loyal friend or a trusted mentor, even for a long period of time. 
But to control these relationships, they must keep them shallow by all means. True love and friendship mean making yourself vulnerable, accessible, and open to constructive criticism. The overt narcissist rejects all of these. Never forget that narcissism is about controlling and manipulating others. At the end of the day, all relationships are ultimately disposable to the overt narcissist. My personal experience with overt narcissists is the one I had with my mother and the other in a relationship that lasted six years. The first one and a half years of this relationship were great. He kept up his facade very well. Then things started to change. And I wanted to end the relationship several times. But I had made the huge mistake, though, of giving him the means to manipulate me by confining my greatest vulnerabilities. And he used them all against me. And he was incredibly skillful to never attack me directly. When he realized that I wanted to end the relationship, he would say things like, Without you and the children, I have no reason to live anymore. And he knew that my best friend had taken his own life when he was 20, and that I was the last person to see him alive. He was also there when I found my brother lying dead in his flat. When I then confronted him that I was not responsible for his life, and that I found this veiled threat that he would take his own life if I didn't stay with him cruel, he argued that he had never said that, and would never do that. Why should he do something so hurtful to me? He had absolutely no reason to do that. And somehow, somehow he always managed to make me seem like a crazy person. It's what they do. I'm really far from being stupid, as are most people who fall for narcissists. And yet he managed to stay another four and a half years. At some point, he lost his job and I was responsible for everything on my own. At a certain point, I really lost myself completely and just somehow functioned from one day to the next. My wake-up call when I realized how much he manipulated my children. And I am ashamed to this day that I did not protect my children better. This is probably my biggest regret in life. But when I finally woke up, there was no turning back. He went for a walk one late Sunday afternoon, and when I fully realized what he had done, and I just sent him a very short message with a very clear text, you will never come back here. And anyone who thinks that was the final end is mistaken. First of all, he didn't take me seriously. I stayed at home the next day because he still had a key to our flat. And since we have a locking system, I couldn't just change the lock. Then I put his things in front of the door for him to pick up. And then he tried to get at my children and said that since he had been in their lives for six years, he had claims. And by the way, no, he's not the children's father. I must admit that I was afraid of him for a while, as were my children. A narcissist that was discarded can be dangerous as they want and need to do the discarding. I was very lucky, though, because he had already groomed another supply. In other words, there was already another woman. Narcissists are persistent, though, especially 
if they have been denied the discard. Time and again, he tried to force his way into our lives when, for example, there were chocolate bunnies at the door for the children at Easter, or when he found out that my mother had died. I found a condolence card in the letterbox that began with the words, Dear Family. I immediately threw it in the rubbish bin where it belonged, just like I did with everything else that came from him. And even years later, the last thing I heard was a few years ago, when he sent a message to my children on New Year's Eve saying, no matter what your mother says about me, I love you, or at least it was something like that. I can't remember the exact wording. I went straight to the police on New Year's Day and got a restraining order. The police were very helpful, even though I could not get a permanent injunction through the courts. But it was the last time I heard from him, and I hope it stays that way. Narcissists are shameless when they want something, and they don't care how they achieve their goal. I do know that due to my history with my mother, I am unfortunately quite susceptible to manipulation by narcissists. It's familiar territory for me, and it does take time and strength to defend against it. I fell for a narcissist one more time, and this time for a COVID or vulnerable narcissist, and I will write about the COVID narcissist next week. There is one thing that all narcissists have in common, no matter what type of narcissist they are. And sometimes the types even the types blend together. They all lack self-esteem. They don't have empathy but can fake it. And they all detest any form of criticism. My song of the week? Well, <laughs> I chose... Um, the very fitting song, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. And of course, this song has also, with all the other songs from Every Change and of All Letter, been added to the Spotify playlist. It's just one click away, like it, share it, or just listen to the music. And my poem of the week is by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who lived from 1806 to 1861, and it's called Pain and Pleasure. A thought I like a flower upon mine heart, and drew around it other thoughts like bees, for multitude and thirst of sweetnesses, whereat rejoicing I desired the art of the Greek whistler, who to wharf and mart could lure those insect swarms from orange trees, that I might hive with me such thoughts and please my soul so always. Foolish counterpart of a weak man's vain wishes. While I spoke, the thought I called a flower grew nettle rough. The thoughts called bees stung me to festering. Oh, entertain, cried reason as she woke. Your best and gladdest thoughts, but long enough, and they will all prove sad enough to sting. And as an oppression, well, the beauty of Lake Starnberg, it is a great area. So thank you again for your time and for, for listening to this episode. And if you do know anyone that has been subjected to narcissistic abuse, please share this letter. And if you enjoyed it, leave a heart and a comment. I wish you an amazing weekend. And as always, I look forward to hearing from you. Yours, Tanya.